Am I making any sense? Boom, we're recording. This is a perfect way to kick off a, a podcast. Yeah, dogs are doing so great. Yeah. Dogs are doing really good. You know, um, when, so my kids have wanted a dog for over a year. They're kids, right? Two daughters. So they've wanted a dog for probably a year and a half or whatever. And so we told them last year around this time, mm-hmm. if they, um, you know, do their chores, we have a little list of things for them to do. If they're good with their responsibilities, then we'll adopt their, a dog around their birthday, right? Okay. Which is June, mid-June. Both of them are kind of within a uh, uh, few days of each other. Mm-hmm. So uh, around April, so they were good. They were playing along. Around April, which is a month into shelter in place, right? One month in, uh, I start hitting up all these shelters yeah, and adoption agencies and rescues. And there's all kinds of them, right? For every kind of specific breed and different ways of caring for animals, different, different processes. So I'm signing up and everyone's like, either we're closed or we don't have any animals or, you know, we can't, um, there's a backlog, this, that, and the other. There were people who weren't even accepting applications because I think in that first month, people were just like, well, I've always wanted a dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now seems like a good time. And so they just rushed all these adoptions agencies. And yeah. so there were no um, dogs out there. So, but one of these um, rescues, we lucked out because they called us. I got on the list around, like I said, um, April or May, and they contacted me a week after the girl's birthday, and someone had surrendered a dog. And so, yeah, we have a dog now. That was a long way of saying we have a dog now. Yes. But um, yeah, it's good to hear that uh, your dog, your dog Emma, I know the dog has technically been on the podcast before because I think she made a few barks or whatever on one of the podcasts we did together. Yeah, she interjects every time I'm doing any type of interview, whether I'm conducting it or I'm the guest, she's got something to say. That's a, that's a, that's a great sidekick, right? Yep. She's, she's, especially during this time, I'm lonely as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> rough. Yeah, it's all right. It's uh, I'm sure everybody feels the same. But you're, you're around people for your career, for your job too, right? I'm a nanny, so I'm specifically around a little boy that I babysit, but I don't have like coworkers my age. I really, oh. really miss like yeah. comedians a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's been, this has been, this podcast has been my lifeline. Um, I, obviously I have my, my wife. So me and my wife, we, sure. two adults talking. But what I mean is it's like, you know, when this whole thing kicked off, I stopped to think, what is it I really like about standup? I do like, writing jokes. I do like getting on stage, but I, I realized I'm kind of just, I enjoy going to different bars right? <laughs> and talking with people, you know? So there's yeah. a social aspect to it that I, that I think, um, these zoom calls, I try to do a couple zoom calls per month where we do an act, right? Whatever, whatever you want to call that nowadays okay. on, a, on a zoom call, you can tell your jokes or whatever, but it's not the same because there's no side area for us to just kind of hang out and no and talk you mean, so you mean like an open mic is that what you meant by zoom call yeah the zoom call the open mics the zoom open mics okay okay i wasn't sure if you meant like a one-on-one with a comedian but you meant like doing an open mic yeah gotcha yeah yeah they're are not- you going to a lot of those i saw you on pete's one time okay well that's like the one of the two times the I've done an open mic this entire quarantine 
Okay. Uh, I've done Pete's Woodham's open mic twice. And okay. honestly, I was kind of hesitant to, but he sent me an invitation and I was like, all right, well, this is my, this is a little sign that I need to get on my open mic game and get involved. And it was really nice to see everybody. I saw you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I saw Darren. I saw uh, Jackie. I saw lots yeah. of our friends. Oh yeah. So we congregate and we kind of, it's a lot of times your act just turns into shit talking with each other. Yeah. That's what happened the second time. The first time I, I did a lot of material that went pretty well um, yeah. because I had a lot to share. It was my first open mic since quarantine started. And the second time I just started going around talking to everybody. Yeah. That could be fun too. I think that's a good way to play it. And I almost look at it. I, I think um, I was on um, Ryan's podcast and he had told me that when he had um, me and Dave on, me and Dave said the way he's looking at these Zoom call the Zoom open mics, yeah, is he says they're more writing session than performance, which is a real, I mean, that's a really healthy way of looking at it. Like, I think, well, an open mic to begin with, you should look at is this is just an experiment. Like, don't get too vested in the outcome. Mm -hmm. But with the Zoom, even more so, I think if you just go in and like, I literally have told jokes and then go, you know what, guys, I didn't want that word here. Let me tell it again. <laughs> and I just tell the same exact joke, but maybe move a few words around. Because, uh, you know, it's more kind of like a, a writing session. But making the personal connection, that's what these podcasts are for. It's like, oh, my God, I need to talk to you guys so bad. I miss you, Coral. <laughs> I'm seriously I miss so seeing you hard. hanging around. I miss I talking miss with everyone. Too. I miss it, too. And honestly, like, kudos to you for doing this podcast for as long as you have and meeting with as many comedians as you have. It's really like you're the prominent podcast in the South Bay. Um, and I'll, okay, I'll take it. I don't think there's a lot of us doing it though. Well, I'll tell you who I know for sure is doing it and is on, it's you and I, and I see yeah. everybody on it and I'm honored to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, East Bay people are better about, you know, doing, there's quite a few guys out there and gals doing podcasts. I think obviously San Francisco mm. comics, there are doing it, but the South Bay, I, I think podcasting hasn't really taken yet. Um, yeah, to yeah. where there's actually, but you, you have a podcast, don't you? Or you, at least you, you Instagram. Yeah, I have, I have a show on Instagram live that I used to do. So it's called Coco's Quarantine mm -hmm. and I do pretty much what you do. I interview yeah. a different comedian, um, or artist or one time, um, the man I'm in a relationship with currently cause nice. my guest dropped out and I thought, let's get intimate and personal. Um, but pretty much I decided just to keep myself occupied to do the show for 30 days straight, do 30 episodes with 30 comedians, finished that and decided to do 10 more episodes, but a week apart. Uh, That's easier to maintain. Hey, you. Quiet. There we go. What's up, Emma? Oh God, this girl. Let's bring her into the shot. Uh, <laughs> there we so go. Dumb. Yeah. Mommy's a comedian, or at least she's trying. Um, she kind of has a like an Ewok vibe to her. Has anyone ever told you that? I think she kind of looks like Yoda. That's it. There we go. It's Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, like those ears. Yeah, those are definitely, those are baby Yoda ears right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I did 10 more episodes. I finished 40 episodes. And then right now I'm just taking a little break because one of the things that I did on the show was every day is a new guest and also every day is a new makeup look. So like I exhausted oh. myself a little bit. I did my makeup 40 times, you know? And, uh, it was I fun. It was fun. It was like, it was like a cool thing for people to tune in and see. Like I would do extravagant colors and like different things. It was cool. 
I would probably, trying to do a podcast every day, I would probably have an anxiety attack. But I think it's wise for you to do something like that during quarantine because, um, I, I mean, I'm okay. I'm one of the lucky ones. I still have my job that I'm doing every day. And like I said, obviously have kids, have a new dog. So there's just tons of things keeping me busy. But even with all of that going on, um, you feel this doldrums is that what it's called when you're just stuck at sea and there's no wind i don't know the term for that but okay it's a well there's i I don't know what's a good term but it's like a a term where you feel like you're in um like a groundhog day episode or something okay okay you know where you're it's kind of the same thing over and over so 30 and 30 that's huge and then that that's also a good kind of um pressure that you put yourself under yeah to have to do something different every day. Yeah, and I kind of just like relied on my guest. I never wrote down the questions I wanted to ask. I just wanted us to have casual conversation. And the episodes would range from like 30 minutes to like 40. And it was really cool. I mean, I was booking, you know, I went, I really did it 30 days in a row. I even surprised myself. it, I would rush home from work. I also am still working because I work yeah. for a doctor. So technically she needs a caregiver for her son. Yeah. She's um, essential. Yep. She's essential. So I would like rush home, do my whole face for an hour wow. and then interview a comedian. And you know, I, I, I wanted to continue it. I think I'm going to do another season because I've really wanted to have you on. I mean, yeah, you're, you're a natural when it comes to being interviewed or interviewing, I'm sure. Or maybe you don't get interviewed that often, Matthew. What's um Okay, so my dream would be this. This would yeah. be my dream. So I've been on um Ryan Watkins. He has his his podcast setup is really badass. Um oh, yeah. I don't know if you talk with him much. I don't know if you know who he is. He's the Bill Burr looking com- stand-up comic. I he's don't know more, him. Yeah, he's more known for he's he's a battle rapper. And so um he is kind of from the uh, the, um, Dirtbag Dan circle. I don't know if you know Dirtbag Dan. I do know Dirtbag Dan. Yeah. So he inherited Dirtbag Dan's, um, podcast slash YouTube and it's run. It's really legit. Anyway. Yeah. Original question. I've been on that. I had a blast. I love being the guest. Um, I'm trying to think I have been the guest anytime. Um, anytime someone asks, I join. Um, I know that, Obviously, um, the podcast that is, um, who are the other podcasts that we have here in the South Bay? Um, I, yeah, I don't get interviewed that much. I've probably been for every podcast I do. I've probably only had, you know, I don't know. I actually, this whole time I've probably only been on three or four other podcasts, but, but here's the thing. I love podcasting. I love the art of shooting the shit. Right. And that's like you, I just go into these things. Sometimes I have topics I want to cover. Right. Like the first time, anytime, the first time I have a comedian on, we go over the, Hey, how did this happen? Why are you a stand-up comic? But now I feel that the comedy conversation has even taken a backseat to everything else that's going on. Cause like right now you got probably a million things going on along with your Instagram thing, but stand-up comedy, at least running a show, working on your material, getting in front of people. Obviously that's been gone for however long. So we're all doing different things. So the line of questioning is just very fluid now. (laughs) Just shoot this shit. I should probably put more effort into this podcast. No, probably. 
No, I think casual is perfect. I think that people, when I, when I listen to your podcast, I like to hear just kind of like where the conversation goes. I'm never like more about comedy. I like yeah. the person in general. So I think you're doing great. Yeah. No. So you, yeah, you should definitely keep it going and I'll join at any point in time that you want. Because my dream is where I was trying to go is I'd like a lot of people to have podcasts and we all kind of support each other's shows and show up like, you know, the standard cast of characters of South Bay comedy, whatever that is and whatever that will be. Um, I like that vision. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's just, I keep, keep doing it, keep bringing people on, keep chatting. And I know eventually people will start and I, I, I'll just put it out there. Anyone who wants to start off a podcast and needs any help with the technical side, I'm more than happy um, to help out with that. That's really nice. Um, we thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I guess one thing we could jump into, obviously you have that Instagram uh, show, which sounds amazing. I didn't realize you did it back to back. Yeah. Um, and actually, it actually sparked a spinoff that I have, that I have another show that I did every Sunday with Sergio Novoa. Oh, I like that guy. Yes. He was a guest on my show and decided that he thinks that we should team up to do a show together. And every Sunday for the past three months at 8 PM, we've been doing a show called more than you needed to know. Nice. Yeah. So I had two Instagram live shows going twice a week. And again, I'm going to go back to this. I would do my makeup every time I have been doing so much makeup over quarantine. I think that from an outside perspective, it might even look like I have my shit together, but in reality, it's just a little bit of a, a little bit of shine and some lipstick and uh, you, you look put together. I have to say this. Yes. Uh, I am so glad I'm a man. Yeah. Right. Makeup seems really unfair. Right. What's your take on makeup? I mean, do you enjoy it or do you think it's a burden, just another burden that the female species is asked to bear uh, with the already full plate of everything they ha- else they have to do with motherhood and <laughs> all this other yeah. stuff and caretaking? And now, oh, I also got to put I got to put stuff on my face. What's your take on it? Okay, so I'm I'm literally I could go either way. If I, if I was on a debate team, they could put me on either side. Because, okay, because I have always been fairly natural, but I think that it's kind of nice. It's kind of like putting on your nice dress. It's like dressing up your face for a show or, oh, well, well, back when we went out to bars and did comedy, yeah. it would be nice. I think it's a nice way to like accentuate your features. So there's positives to it. Like yeah. a man can't wear a lot of makeup, but maybe you would look stunning in a red lip. You know, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> maybe I need some shade above here or whatever that's called eyeshadow yeah yeah there we go make it look smoky maybe i'd be may have really my eyes would pop if they were a little more smoky yeah it's kind of like an option it's 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 like part of our it's it's in our inventory if we want to you know use it but it's not required however a woman who never wears makeup can sometimes like like if you show up at a wedding without makeup on then there's that stigmatization of just like what's wrong with her why isn't she done up and that's what i'm kind of like F you. Like no, I'll, fucked up. I'll do it if I want to do it, but if I don't, then sorry, this is my natural face. Hope you can handle it. Yeah. 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 That's where I think that's where the uh I think the nastiness comes in. Is yeah. it's like like you said, like, oh, it's great. It's a way to express myself. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. But then if I don't 
want to be obligated to that or from personality who just, I don't want anything to do with it, then that's messed up if you are judged for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. As not not feminine, as not feminine, which is totally unfair. Um, it's a, it's absolutely a, a mode of creativity though. Yeah. So I really like it for that. Like I have all these, I started getting into makeup only over quarantine. So of course I started online shopping and now I have these like palettes. I'm like a painter. I'm like, what kind of beautiful clown am I going to put together today? Yeah, no, it's, it's a big deal. And when I look at the cost, just for whatever, when my wife or when I was growing up with my sisters, like, Oh my God, you guys spend this much money on me. That's insane. Yeah. You want the good stuff. Cause if you get the bad stuff, it starts like melting on your face, like Joker. Yeah. And you never know, like, obviously we're animal lovers. You never know what kind of mad scientist stuff they do to animals on the cheap stuff. Right. Let's, like the expensive let's stuff you would hope they would. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But what do you, you and Sergio, what do you guys usually get into? Okay. So Sergio, okay. Sergio totally. When we first started the show, we would just have a topic and we would just kind of shoot the shit like you were mentioning. Yeah. But Sergio runs things in a very particular way. He's a yes. very organized man. And he started asking that we have an outline before okay. every show. Okay. And it has the introduction, it has the body, it has everything we want to mention and a conclusive paragraph. I mean, I started having homework. Like mm. I didn't realize like Coco's quarantine was just like, oh, this is going so well. I'm on day yeah. 27. So then I started, so we took turns choosing the topic. Okay. And since it's me and Sergio, like, let's just get real. A lot of the beginning topics were very sexual. Okay. Like we did an episode on how to cyber sex during quarantine. Okay. Uh, we did an episode. That's uh, super critical in this day and age. It is. I was just yeah. saying, like, we can all pretend, like, if you don't live with your partner, you are masturbating on Zoom. And that's yeah. just what's happening. And that's right. okay. That's okay. We were here to give you tips about how to do it better. You take uh, what the universe gives you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what the truth is, too? Like, okay, this is totally candid. But, like, I wanted to do a topic that I knew a lot about. Like, he yeah. once did the First Amendment, which was great. Yeah. But I was lost as hell. Yeah. I was like, I was reading the outline like, oh, oh my God, I need to study. Like, uh, um, but we did our most recent episode was threesomes. He really took the lead on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? I, I didn't have that much to contribute. So this is me the entire episode. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, expand. Okay. Can we unpack that last point? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never been there. I'll be candid too. I've never been there. Yeah, no, no, I haven't. And you know what? It sounds like he knows a thing or two. That's what yeah. the will say. I'm too prudish. I'm too prudish. I would get like, okay, what are we doing here? Um, I'm, I don't know. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? I'm not comfortable. <laughs> it would just, yeah. it would melt down quickly. So, so all you really would say is I just want you guys, you both to know I'm not comfortable with this. Is that yeah, what you yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, I want this to happen. Don't get me wrong. I want this to happen. That's all. <laughs> but that's there's all too many needs floating around. I don't know where to. <laughs> I'll just be over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So we started doing that show and we would do it every Sunday at eight. But just recently, I've kind of decided I want to go back to focusing more on my comedy. And yeah. so I gave him full reins of the show. Um, yeah. I told him, you know, continue it uh, with whatever hosts you want, carry on. And he has been. And I'm sure that he still makes an outline and I'm sure that he still yeah. 
plans out. It, it really showed me how different people run their shows. Like, yes. I never, we literally had a shared Google document where like we would upload facts and opinions and it was so different for me. I, I truly felt like, okay, so this is how Sergio runs a show. No wonder the man's successful. I, I'm glad you said that. So I'm not on first name basis with Sergio. We bumped into each other a few times, but um, I have listened to a few of his other podcasts. Yeah. And I was like, so number one, um, any guy who shows up to an open mic with a bow tie on has their shit together, right? And so I could, when you say, oh yeah, there was an outline, like he strikes me as a type A personality. Um, just with superficial judgment, right? And then listening to his other podcasts because I remember, um, I don't know how I got, I, I guess I follow his other feed. I follow him and then he has a podcast feed. I'm, yes, I'm he has guessing. Called, it's called My Limited View and he has a co-host for it. And it's super professional. They have it's, like, they have like a jingle. Yes. No, it's so professional. And they even edit clips to put into the feed. And I was like, you know, it's one of those things where, and let's definitely, if not in this moment, let's put a pin in this. It's one of those things where I'm kind of moving away from social media because I, I automatically compare myself. I go, fuck, you know, I'm doing a podcast at least back then once a week, twice a week. And my podcast, the production value is so just garage band punk production value, right? Like right now I'm literally, I'm recording a Zoom meeting. That's how this is gonna go up. I'm gonna strip the audio and slap this up on YouTube. But it felt, I, and basically when I listen to that, I go, and I, I knew he hadn't been doing it as long as me. I listened to it and I go, fucking Sergio's killing it. Oh, and I'm a big fucking loser. <laughs> like, I can never, I can never be like, they're doing their thing. All I can look at is everything he does good means I'm not doing good. I'm just doing bad. And so I'm kind of doing a little less social media since I've been, because what first happened, right? And in, in when shelter in place first happens, you think social media is your lifeline, right? Okay. To keep up with people. You're just like, oh, I just listen. But then I realized there's so many goddamn opinions out there. And there's yeah. so much content being created that if I even spend 5% of my day comparing the content I'm making and putting out there to what everyone else is doing, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. Yep. Now that's not the only reason. There's a lot more to it that has to even just do with time management. And it's like, I shouldn't be looking through a feed when, like I said, I have a job, I have kids, I have a wife. I wanna do a podcast so I can have one-on-one -on -one intimate conversations with people like you. And then I wanna still write jokes and go to Zoom meetings yeah. every once in a while and try and tell yeah. those jokes. So when you have all those things going, like I just shouldn't be looking through feed because even on my most ambitious days, I still leave like 20% of stuff that doesn't get done. Um, That's but, totally okay. You're, you're amongst the majority, you know, yeah. so, so you understand. I think social media is for the most part gotten overall negative effect on our lives. Yeah, I think it's a net negative. I'm, com I'm comfortable saying that. A lot of people will debate me on that and say, no, it's a net positive because of all the connections and like even setting up these podcasts, how would I have even gotten a hold of you sure. if it for our connection? Sure. But, but now as I'm booking people, I'm just like, hey, let me get your mobile just in case I ever eject out of this ecosystem. But I think if you use it right, like if you use it where it's like, I just, I'm following these people I respect as comedians. I'm following these podcasters I respect as podcasters. And as long as I'm connected to them and I know I can reach out to them and have 
a real human conversation, then social media is great. I think what it happens is when I'm looking at either stuff they're putting in, opinions they're having, and then I'm reading debates, and then I realize, oh shit, I just spent 10 minutes reading a debate. I don't know which side I'm on on that debate, and I feel like I'm getting emotional not knowing a side. <laughs> okay, so you get involved, you get involved. Um, I think I get, it's a very, um, like intellectually, I try to do logic. I try to apply logic to things okay. so that when people make their opinions and make their cases, then I start thinking too much. I don't know if it's an emotional, the emotional side is when I look at people creating really awesome content. And then yeah. I say, oh, my content isn't as good as their content. So that's where the emotional side is. But then the rest of it, I think I'm just, my wheels are spinning in some kind of philosophical, you know, uh, Infinite. I, have a hard time. I have a hard time too. I just want you to know, like as a content yeah. creator myself, I don't watch other people's Instagram lives because I'm just, I was too busy doing my own. Yeah. And I try not to watch too much of people's stories. Um, because I really, I don't want to, I, I compare myself too. I think it's a natural human instinct. I think yeah. that we think to ourselves and I think the kinds of people that listen to Sergio's podcast or, or, or the kind of podcast that you're comparing yourself to maybe is a different audience. You know, I, I think yeah. that you bring something unique to the table. Nobody can do what you do exactly how you do it. That's true. Um, so that's something to remind yourself of because otherwise you just feel like pummeled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's the same with writing a joke, right? We could both, someone could come to us and assign as a joke. Okay. Both of you have to write whatever, uh, a Biden joke, three Biden jokes yep. by the end of the day. And that subject matter is the same, but there's no way we would write word for word the exact three jokes at the end of the day. It would be like, we'd all have our own hot take in the same way as with content creation. Everyone has their take and some people it'll resonate with and other people it won't resonate with. But when I hear someone really knock it out of the park with a really high production level, good interview, this, that, and the other, then I'm just kind of like, Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. You know, kind of how I feel when I see people working out. Like mm. I just, I recently got into running over quarantine. It's like the first oh, good time. good for you. Thank you. It's, it's really different. And uh, it only starts feeling good like halfway through. So it takes a lot of motivation to get started. Yeah. Uh, but then I look at people on Instagram and I see that they're doing these crazy workouts and I don't think to myself, hey, you, you ran a mile today. That's something. Yeah. So... Celebrate the wins, right? Don't yeah. look at everyone. Just celebrate the little things that you got going on. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? You kind of helped me transition into something very about writing three jokes and being a given a topic because yeah. I actually have a show this Friday. Oh, nice. I'm doing uh, the ultimate roasting championship. Oh, he's yeah. bringing it back. He's bringing it back and he's okay. bringing it back in a big way. He got Frank Castillo from Comedy Central to be one of the judges. Nice. Yeah. Well, and I'll watch that. What time does it start? That's a great question. I think 7 p.m. on Friday. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, you should absolutely come because he's got like 10 matches nice. or something like that. Can you um, say it's who all guys. opponent is or no? Is it what? Can you say who your opponent is or no? Yeah, Alyssa Lindquist. Oh, I don't know her. Do you know Maddie Boyer? Yeah, I don't think I've ever met. She makes a lot of people's posters. Her. She's like a digital designer. Okay. 
All right. Uh, they're roommates and one okay. brought the other one into comedy and now they're both comedians. But um, I should mention, I don't think there are other women in the competition aside from the two of us. Okay. And we're the only ones doing a honey roast. Okay. So have you ever witnessed a honey roast? Um, I, the only honey roast I've witnessed turned into a roast. <laughs> it started off kind of as fun and then it, it turned into roasts. But was it yeah, women? No, it was men. Yeah, okay, because I've done a honey roast and it's like literally we are compliment battling the shit out of each other. Okay. We are like, lady, you're so great, you know, yeah. da 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 da. And um I've I've uh I just really loved it. So I've been writing content specifically to compliment her and I'm excited for it this Friday. I'm excited to make her feel good. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, honey roast, that makes sense in these in this day and age. Um, I, I think it's great. He's bringing it back. I know I had him on the podcast a while ago before all of this. And I know he had a lot of big plans for ultimate roasting championship. So this is good. Is it the first one in shelter in place that he's doing? I don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you, Arturo Regoza is another man whose quality of, of production is very yes. high. Yeah. Very high. I mean, he even made us like uh customized zoom backgrounds for, the show. Okay. Um, I'm very impressed with what some people have done. Some people are just really great producers. I mean, like, I uh, so. like, like BMO. Yeah. You know, I had him on Coco's quarantine and he kind of told me that his dream is not even to be on the stage. His dream is to provide, to put together the best production possible. And I'm like, you know what? There really is a role in entertainment for everybody. You don't always have to be the person on stage. And Arturo, although very funny on stage is an yeah. excellent producer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was, I want to get my, I want to get my feet wet with producing. Mm. I was actually looking for venues, literally the week or two prior to us being shut down, I was checking out um, bars that don't have open mics around in my area. And uh, I was going to try and compliment Jacobs um, off the hook Tuesday night with another one within like five miles. Oh, so that, that so nice. Right. Because then we would have been stacked because Monday would have been stacked with your room, um, Woodham's and swinging door. Tuesday yep. could have been stacked in the South Bay with um, off the hook. And then, you know, I was going to try and find something nearby there. And then Wednesdays, well, Wednesdays we lost for, um, Scott. for Scotty, Scotty, but you know, Santa Cruz was always popping. Um, so, and I'm sure someone would have filled the void in San Jose also on a Wednesday. So anyway, it would have been adding to what felt like a scene that was getting really not getting, but had been strong and was, was growing in strength, but then all this pop. And I, so then I was thinking, well, it's so easy to put together a zoom, but you got to be honest with yourself. Right. And you got to know what you really care about and what you really want to be doing. and. I think for me, when I think of stand-up comedy, yeah, my personal experience, I want to be in the bar. Just like I said at the beginning of the um, podcast, is I really enjoy the smell of alcohol in the air. I, yeah. I enjoy having a beer, and I enjoy being in that whatever you call it, it's that like, vibe. It's like kind of like a college or like classroom vibe. Like we each go up and we do our presentation. Some people yes. do better than others. Yeah. We give each other compliments, tips. I, it, 
I, I think unless you're a comedian, unless you're part of the, of the community, you don't realize what a wonderful community it is. Like it is a lifeline and it has been so hard for me. Um, without it, I feel like a big part of my identity is missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I can do zoom shows and I can do Coco's quarantine and I can do a show with Sergio, but it's not the same as going off the hook on a Tuesday night and, you know, going up last at, you know, 1230 in the morning and closing out a show. It's just, ah, man, I, I, I almost feel like I went to downtown Sunnyvale recently and like, some people recognized me and they were like, Oh my God, you're the yeah. girl with comedy. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was me four months ago. Right. Okay. Almost like, five I, now. Almost five months ago. Yeah. Um, which actually leads into a good question. So I, I tabled that. I don't think I'm going to be running any zoom comedy rooms other than, you know, doing podcasts. Me neither. Me neither. I'm not, um, I'm not interested in doing any shows or doing any open mics. I, I, I I'm, I'm good off that. I'm good. Um, other than when I'm invited, like you, if anyone invites me, I'm on board. And yeah. then I do the open mics a couple times a month just to say that I'm, I'm still trying to be a standup, whatever that is. Yeah. But what do you, how do you think this is all going to reboot itself? Oh man. Well, have you I, been thinking I, about it at all? Or are you going to wait until like there's a vaccine and then you'll start slowly thinking about it. Like, where's your head at with the whole thing? You know, I was actually even thinking, even when there's a vaccine, we'll probably still all be required to wear masks for years to come. I, I think the vaccine is like a baby step to fixing this. It's because if you think about it, a vaccine, so there's 350 million Americans and of those 350 million, probably what, maybe 10 to 15% of us don't even have health insurance. So no vaccines for them, unless they make it, um, unless they make it public. There we go. So unless, unless somehow the government's going to step up and say, um, I, and I won't get too political unless they're going to come up and say, okay, we're going to cut back on bombs and rockets for the middle East and start paying for medical care for people who actually live here, work here and pay taxes. So unless we do that, not everyone's going to get vaccinated. So that's a huge gap. If you have people who aren't even covered, let's say you have 10% of the population who aren't even covered. That's too many people to not be vaccinated. Right. Um, so it doesn't eliminate the threat. So it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. So, okay. So vaccine is basically like this. What happens is there's no way they're going to be able to produce 350 million things in a short amount of time. That's going to take a while. And then on top of that, then you filter through who are the at-risk and covered with some kind of insurance. So the at-risk and, and, and covered, they're going to get a shot. Yep. And then we're going to go, okay, who's medium risk and covered? They get a shot. And now who's low risk and covered? And they get a shot. And then you deal with the population who doesn't have insurance. And I don't know how that's going to work out. But um, so the point being is I agree with your, uh, I, I agree with your take. I think from the day the vaccine is approved and starts going out, we're talking six months still. Oh, at least. Probably. And then what we need to do is we need to sort out all the rules. What is safe in a social gathering? I think mask is a reasonable ask. Okay. Um, but what else? There's so many more factors in it. So yeah, I, I think we probably don't have to think about live shows for a while. But, but here's what I'm wondering is, um, I know 
I don't know how tight you are with the managers over at Lily Mac, but I, I imagine bars are really struggling right now. And I know in Santa Cruz, um, the Poet and the Patriot closed its doors. You know what? I'm going to share something. I'm not going to say the name of the place, but I was invited on the download to a speakeasy at a bar that used to have an open mic at it. Okay. And they, they were like serving alcohol and people were mingling and... Uh, okay. So this is interesting. So this is a huge factor because... I know that's going on too. I haven't been to any, but I know there's underground. Yeah, they're just hush hush. They're, it's like the prohibition. Yeah. People sneak you in through the back door and they give you a drink. That's exactly what's happening. Um, so which tells me, and this is the reason I, I want your opinion on it. It tells me that when the green light is given, the people want to go out. Yeah. The people are ri risking their lives and risking the lives of the fragile people in um in society right now to go out and mingle because oh guess what that's human condition <laughs> we all want to be out so because people are going to risk it i almost see this as and this is the optimist in me the silver lining i think there could be like a tidal wave opportunity if every comedian who wants to you know find a venue one night of the week i mean i could see it as almost a comedy explosion. Like we know there's no shortage of people wanting to do stand up. Okay. Right. Cause every open mic we have is crowded. Okay. We know there's no shortage of bars prior to this. So I'm sure bars are going to want to open back up. So I see this as something where if everyone steps up and finds a venue and starts doing open mics or even showcases or whatever, that when the green light is turned on, maybe we could have a really healthy scene online within a few months, but I don't know. What's your take? Well, I did a, I did a drive-in show mm -hmm. that was really successful. And I was thinking like, why don't we do open mics like this? And then, um, you know, so I don't know if you know, but the one that they run in Santa Cruz, the drive-in show that they yeah. run in Santa Cruz, the microphone is tuned to a radio station. That's awesome. Yeah. So everybody stays in their cars. Nobody, everybody's social distancing. They can see you mouthing the words. They can see yeah. your your physical movements. So that would be a great place to run a mic. I mean, are people going to show up in their cars for an open mic? Probably Maybe not. not. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but another thing is Pete. Pete runs a show in Hollister and they're coming back Yeah. Uh, this Saturday and they're doing outdoors. So I actually looked into maybe doing something in downtown Sunnyvale outdoors, but yeah. I guess you need like a permit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be city to city. It's going to be different. Sa like in Santa Clara County, we're not going to be able to launch anything um, okay. without, okay. I mean, legally. Now these speakeasy things are happening. <laughs> these things are happening. And I know, but I, I look at it right now, probably the people who are getting mic time in these things are probably the comics who are much more committed than I am. Meaning they're probably already, you know, somewhat paid comics. Like I'm still, I categorize myself as proudly and categorically open micer. Right. Okay. Um, but there's, there's people out there in the community who are kind of like one foot in making money. So they're probably the ones organizing, like it's more, it makes sense for them to risk it. Um, just so, just so that we're clear us paid comedians, you know, I think I've got one, my, one of my feet in, you know, I'm a, I'm working to be a professional. Sure. Another foot is I'm an open micer, yeah. but like 
these shows pay like $4, Matthew. I just, oh, right. want, I just want to be clear that paid comedians are walking away with I know that. in your pocket at most. I, I know that. I have been quote unquote paid before. Right, right. I've but been in a show I'm saying we were paid. It, yeah. At least there's an opportunity for a tip hat to go, tip hat to go around. Oh, and by the way. Yeah. I think comics are doing well for themselves on, not well, again, this is the Bay Area. You got to be making a lot of money to be doing well in the Bay Area. But I'm saying they're doing better at some of these Zoom showcases with tip money than um, just the hat passing at showcases in person. That's amazing because- Because because some of these Zooms are getting big draws, right? And they just pop up their Venmo and then anyone that liked them, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, and they might make however much. Um, So I guess the point point I was trying to make is obviously, you know, no one's an A-less celebrity doing speakeasies. No, I know what you mean though. I know what you mean. But more qualified than me, more qualified than me. (laughs) Well, you know, that's- that's probably, you're probably being a harsh critic because I'm pretty sure that you could do just great at a drive-in. I think if anything yeah. that you are very personable and I like the way that you really act out, it would be really wonderful to see you perform from a car, I think. I w- yeah, I wonder how that would play out if I would just be this little thing on stage. Yeah. And it maybe wouldn't wouldn't connect, but I, yeah, who knows? I I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, start emailing around, see if I can get on that. You know what? There's even, a, there's even a nicer drive-in one that they're doing in Newark run by okay. Mike Bucci, who's really oh. good friends with Nina G and Mean Dave, where yeah. they're actually putting you up on a jumbotron. Wow. Yeah, and the cars are all parked in a real drive-in theater. That's cool. People are real, they're finding ways, Matthew. They're finding yeah. ways. And if they're finding ways now, then six months from now, there's gonna be even more opportunity. Yeah. And you know, maybe the Santa Clara, maybe we have to drive out. Maybe yeah. Santa Clara County is too strict. Maybe we right. got to go to Newark. Maybe we got to go to Santa Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, I think Santa Cruz still isn't on the whatever that watch list is, but I know Santa Clara County's on that. So so we get extra stringent rules yeah. to follow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we probably, we'll probably have to go elsewhere for the near future. Um, um, I'm excited to see. So Pete, Pete said that I could go this Saturday to uh, the the relaunching of uh, Johnny's Bar and Grill in Hollister. And I'm honestly going, like, um, he didn't tell me if I'm doing a set or not. Like, he invited me. I'm pretty sure that that means I'm in the show. But even if I'm not, I'm so excited to observe an outdoor show. Like, the tables are far apart. Everyone should be wearing a mask, I think. I mean, like, I don't know how it works. I'm excited. I'm excited to, you know, report back. Yeah. No, it'll be good for sure. Um, And I'm wondering... So I've done that. I've done that room once. I love that room. I'm wondering if it's the back area. I know it's outside. I know. Yeah. I know they've got a cool setup. I did that room too, and I loved it. And they were rowdy. They're rowdy. Yeah, they were rowdy. It was hard. I had to get their attention. I was watching comedian after comedian go up before me and just kind of lose them. And I'm like, okay, these people want something big. I I, I kind of I was either the first or the second one up. So. They hadn't gotten rowdy yet, but I could tell the stuff I was pitching. It wasn't, it wasn't for them. Okay. Um, but Johnny, uh, Johnny Pena closed it out and he was, he was rocking the joint. It was going okay. really well for him. He's, he's closing it out this Saturday. He must be their oh. like crowd favorite or something. 
Well, he's, I think he lives in Hollister. I know oh. he, he grew up in Hollister, I think, or, or maybe it was Gilroy. But anyway, he's, he's perfect for the audience. Okay. Yeah, I agree. He's perfect. A big, yoked, tattooed, ex-law enforcement guy. Like, right. Perfect. Perfect for the crowd. Right. And then I'm his opener. Very different. Yeah. That yeah. should be fun. Um, so yeah, maybe we just have to drive out more because comedy is never going to die. I mean, we have, no. it's, in our, it's in our veins to perform. Yeah. I, yeah, it's going to come back and it's going to come back strong. I think it's just a matter of timing. Um, but for now I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of relaxing and enjoying the downtime. So having said all of that, mm-hmm. you have your Instagram TV, you have your job. What else are you doing to keep yourself occupied? Or is that enough? That's already a full yeah. plate. I ask myself every day what to do with myself. Okay. I, I still do. Um, I've read a couple books for the first time in years. Nice. Um, like I said, I've taken up running, which has been really great because it gives me something to do. Literally. Right. Uh, I like to like, I pretty much told you everything. I, I, I wish I had more. Um, no, I, started, no, it's... I started dating somebody new during quarantine. We met over Instagram and we would zoom date like dinner date. Nice. Uh, so that's been taking up my time. That's good. Yeah. That's, that was really interesting to be pursued by someone I never met in person. Uh, we've met in person at this point, but I mean, meeting at the airport after talking online for over a year, it was, uh, it was really nerve wracking. I was like, Oh my goodness. Uh, very exciting stuff. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. I, I, uh, nice. No, the running is really good. I, I try to run every once in a while too. Um, you had mentioned you're usually halfway in before you feel good. Yeah. The way I run, I feel terrible the whole time, but you know what though? I do. I, I will say this. Um, it comes later in the day. So I'm a morning, I'll go run in the morning. Right. Yeah. 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 And that energy or that euphoria feeling usually kicks in later in the day where I go, why do I have so much energy? I go, normally I want to take a nap by the, oh, that's because I actually did some physical fitness in the morning yep. <laughs> that got my, you know, engine revving and I, and I feel good. Um, but I will say this, um, I think on top of wearing masks, we should all be doing physical fitness, eating our fruits and veggies, you know, like dad advice, because the way this thing seems to move, it's like, I feel like we're all probably going to get it at some point. And so your best bet is just to have as strong as immune system as possible. So obviously physical fitness and nutrition and all this stuff will come into play. So I I'm kind of surprised the media or the government or the CDC or whoever's putting down guidelines isn't like right out saying, okay, everyone needs to be out exercising, eating healthy, whatever, because your immune system needs to be strong to get us through this. I mean, a mask is one thing and it's good, but it's not the whole picture. The other aspects are like, we all need to be strong, as strong as we can be. Um, so that if our number is up and we do get it, hopefully our immune system will be able to cope with it. Well, that's good life advice period to just be a healthier person. You'll, you'll reap the benefits. I mean, even if you don't get COVID. So Yeah. yeah, I agree. I've been, I've, I do have to say that running more has made me hungrier. So like, I haven't That's really dropped a lot of weight. Cause like, no, I you won't. Yeah. You won't. I have that exact same problem. 
Um, and it's directly proportional with the amount of mileage I put in. Okay. Um, to where, you know, there've been times in my life where I was running a lot. Um, and you know, sometimes, well, I was training for a half marathon. So sometimes I was putting in six miles a day, seven miles a day, whatever. And on those days I could not get enough food in me just like constantly hungry, 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 hungry. And so if you don't make good decisions, like, well, I just ate yeah, an extra yeah. large French fry. That yeah. probably wasn't the best way to fuel my body for tomorrow's run. <laughs> but That's cool that you ran that much. I, I my, the, the, uh, farthest I've ran so far is like two and a half miles, but I'm kind of going like from couch to 5k, as they say, you know, it's, I went from not running at all. I remember dreading the mile in school. Like if it yeah. was my day and it was mile day, I'm like, Oh God, anything but running the mile. And now I run a mile every morning. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's cool. And, uh, I get a chance to, sometimes I listen to zoom shows while I'm running. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. You can just call in, you know, it's zoom shows, unless someone's really putting forward, uh, like some kind of acting, some kind of act out. Um, yeah. listening to it is totally fine. I like to listen to like, um, the caravan lounge show on Wednesdays, um, yeah. when I'm walking it's, uh, however, some comedians are really very like, they have a lot of like facial expressions. And I yeah. saw Ryan Goodcase did this bit where he pretends like his mom is knocking on his door and he's okay. like, mom, I'm doing a uh, show and then it gets silent and he goes, no, it's not sad. <laughs> He's like, so that's something that's, it was just, it was fun to watch. I love that. Some people are, are like using zoom to do a whole new form of comedy. Have well, you seen I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I think those that's when I refer to the people who are taking it more seriously, those are the people. Yes. I've seen it where they're using backgrounds they're flipping backgrounds. They're doing, they're almost doing PowerPoint type yes. business comedy. Yes. Um, which I forget the name of the comic, but there's this guy he's in, um, you know, I'll never, I'll never get his name just searching right now. So forget it, but he okay. was a corporate guy, he worked for IBM for years and he started doing PowerPoint comedy and it sounds so corny Coral and it is corny and it is corny, but he turned it into a full-time comedy career. Wow. And this dude just tours the country with, a really hilarious slide deck about wow. his life. And the the PowerPoint presentation is really silly and really funny. And he's he's also a stand-up. I mean, so he's got good timing and everything. But he was an IBM engineer for probably maybe, I don't know, 20 years or something. And then he switched into comedy. But he uses PowerPoint. And he's been around forever. Like, I seen him back in the early 2000s through some corporate event or whatever. And... Um, but his kind of comedy would do very well in this environment. And yeah. there are comics who are adapting to it. Um, I, so I wanted to ask you if your writing changed, because what I found in the very minimal amount of Zoom shows I do, I really try to go to almost like a one-liner format where I feel like, even though I only get five minutes at open mics, I feel like if I want it, if I choose to make that a story time, I can tell a story. But with the Zoom comics, I feel like, it just needs to be boom, 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 or else people are just going to start talking or doing something on their computer, you know? Um, so have you changed anything? Okay. So I haven't really changed anything because the first time I did an open mic, um, people are actually listening 
So you can do a story. But the second time I did an open mic, I tried to get into a story that was like, you needed to get the beginning pieces. It was crucial yeah. information and nobody gave a fuck. I mean, excuse my language. I don't know, but, uh, no, we can say fuck. We say fuck shit, bitch. Okay. Whatever. Ass. Okay. Well, fuck shit, bitch, because yeah. nobody could follow that. I had, that's when I started doing crowd work. I was like, I don't even yeah. know what to do. Um, I've also seen somebody on a show do zoom crowd work. Well, yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the only thing that I could say that I've done differently is I'm trying to do crowd work through zoom. I'm in no way, uh, proficient, but I, uh, and no, my writing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I kind of wrote a one liner yesterday and I was like, this will go well over zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's gotta be kind of shorter attention span. You don't have the cap. You, you don't have the, the captivating, like presence everyone has a computer screen in front of them they could be browsing for all you know and a lot of times they're talking off i hear dishes sometimes people are washing dishes i hear all kinds of crazy stuff and i go oh they don't you know they're definitely not listening to me <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah babies crying dogs. yeah 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 the, the biggest problem with zoom though i think is the when there is a background noise and then you can't even hear people's jokes like what are you going to mm -hmm. do that I think that was my last experience. There's either some feedback or something or an echo. And it was like, everything I said came back at me along with dishes and screaming or whatever. So I, I just yeah. kind of was like, Oh, this is not, uh, this is not fun right now. <laughs> yeah. You know what else isn't fun? Bombing over zoom. You're just telling jokes and it's just silent. Oh God. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new world. Yes, it's it rough. Yeah. It's rough. That's why, man, I'm, I'm just counting the days before we can get back to whatever normal will look like in the future. Me too. Me too. I hope to come back stronger. I've been reading a book about stand-up comedy to help me. Um, and it's interesting. So in the book, by the way, they Which will- book? I've read a lot of books on stand-up comedy. Gosh, what's it called? Mastering Stand-Up Comedy. Oh, I've been wanting to get to that one. That one supposedly is like the de facto stand-up comedy. It reads like a like a college text. Yep. Like here is the different forms of stand up. Here is how you're going to come up with your content. Um, and it gives you uh, workbooks. Like you have to follow the things, right? Or follow steps or something like that. I don't know if it how's you follow steps, but it, okay. every time it gives you an example of a type of like comedy form, it, it it will then give you a paragraph from like Louis C.K. special, okay. and then every what you'll see is all the punchlines are underlined. And mm. what you'll notice is that it's almost like regular text. And then it's like underline, underline, mm. underline. They've got like five punchlines in one paragraph. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see what we do on paper. I think so. It's yeah. a very academic kind of intellectual way to break it down, which is how I like to deal with problems. So I I've read, a number of books. The one I'm reading right now is, it's not the best. The one I'm reading right now, actually, I would say, don't read it. Don't waste okay. your time. What's your do not read of the week? My do not read of the week is, uh, how do I find my, um, sorry, bear with me here. Kindle reader. Oh, son of a gun. Where, how do I get in here? I have the old school Kindle that I still use. 
Um, that's okay. That's there. So Kindle I think it's, I think it is literally called a comedy tool. Oh, my orders. Here we go. My orders. It should be in here. Um, no, of course. Why would they put, why would they put a book in my normal Amazon orders? Bastards. Anyway, I think it's called the uh, comics toolbox or something like that. Okay. Comic toolbox. Yeah. And it's written by John Vorhaus. So don't read it. Um, he's more of a, he's more of a, it says the book is catered towards anyone trying to write funny, but he definitely is going for the screenwriter, sitcom writer, okay. um, sketch, sketch writer, which of all of those things, the closest thing I could see myself doing is maybe writing sketch or skits, or I don't know the difference between them, but other than writing for skits, I just want jokes. I want stage jokes. And so it wasn't the best read for me. Oh, I think Mastering Stand-Up Comedy is only like 200 pages and it reads, it's an easy read and it's really useful. Okay. I'm going to put it on my list right now because I've, um, I've heard about this one before. So, yeah. and I, I am always trying to read about either writing, just the writing process. Actually, I would say any book that kind of gives, so even with this book I'm reading right now, it's more for screenplay. I still try to do whatever exercise they get because I figure any kind of practice I get at writing may pay off on stage somewhere down the road. I don't know how, yeah, yeah. but um, it's, it's worth the effort to try. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm learning that like, I'm a writer, but I didn't really know I was a writer because I really focused more on the performance aspect. And it, it, it's hard for me to sit down. Like it's part of the reason I decided to do the ultimate roasting championship because it's a writing challenge. Yeah. I would categorize you as a writer slash storyteller. Definitely. Because only because I know you personally, and I know the notebook you carry around and how you kind of process things and write things down. And then the, the thing I love most about you're performing in your act is the stories and stories is writing. It's a narrative, but it's a, whether you've written it on paper or just process it in your head, it comes out in a very, everything comes out structured well for the listener. So yeah, I would categorize you as a writer. Definitely. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. You know what it is, is I kind of always knew my jokes and now I'm having to review. That's a, that's a really different thing for me because it's been so long. I'm yes. like, wait a minute, what are my jokes? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, it's interesting you bring this up because uh, maybe I'm going to change my mind. Maybe this book comic toolbox is worth it because one of the things he talks about, and I've, I've read this in multiple books on writing. There's a book uh -huh. called um, Writing to the Bones, which I highly recommend. Um, it's kind of a writer's workshop type book. Sure. Um, and then there's the artist's way. And then there's a couple other books on comedy that I've read, um, how to write funny. Um, but anyway, there's a through line with all of these books I've read. Yeah. And this through line is you have this free flowing, creative gesture slash ideas person in your head, but then you also have an editor in your head. Okay. And all of your ideas and contents are going to come from this free flowing, loose gesture that you have. Hey, you know, this is how comics think when something happens in our life, we process it and we go, holy shit, this is hilarious because of 
this abstract, that abstract, and we start connecting the dots, right? Well, that's your just creative side being goofy. And so the writing process, um, the through line in all these books is like, never subject that force, whatever you want to call it, to the editor. Yep, to the editor. Protect it from the editor while it's happening. And then get it all on paper, on a computer, whatever. And then you have a ball of clay, right? Right. Will that clay, or let's say a rock, will that rock ever be the statue of David? Maybe, maybe not, but get it there. And then at a different time, you can take this editor and you can go and look at it. And then the editor can chisel away, flip a word here, flip a word there, maybe flip the concepts, maybe run a few filters. Um, in the book, How to Write Funny, he calls them comedy filters, I think. Okay. And it's essentially, you know, things like hyperbole. Um, I, I'm forgetting all of them. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it. But anyway, he gives all these filters that you should run all of those raw things through. And you can mine more, more funny out of it. So what you're talking about, like the editing process, I'm the same way. From day one of writing comedy, I still have that in Google, in some Google documents where some days I'll just go, I, 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 nothing's coming to mind that I can write. So let me go look at this really lame ass thought I had yeah. two years ago and see if I can, having learned what I've learned, can I run anything through here? And can, can I pull anything out of it? Sometimes I can, sometimes I do. This is too hard for today. Um, but that's why I think what you're doing is a great exercise for the times. Because let's face it, you know, again, to my earlier point, like right now, um, we're like soldiers without a war. <laughs> There's no stage for us to get yeah. on. So yeah. all we can do is keep sharpening our, keep sharpening our swords. Okay. And then, and then be ready for that day when someone's like, hey, you're, go ahead, you're up. And then we get to get on stage. Yeah. You know what? Continuing with that analogy, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm more someone who shines on the battlefield and I am sharpening my sword, but like, I'm not, I'm not, this is not my forte. Right. This is not my forte. Um, I really enjoy bringing people together. A lot of my jokes kind of come to, come to me when I'm on stage, but you know, you're so right. Like, things happen to us and we process them. And if we subject them to the editor, then they'll never make it their way on stage. No. Yeah. And I learned these lessons really late in life because I've had so many ideas that I just go, that's stupid. Stop thinking that. And then, you know, time has just passed, but now because I've read these books and I'm trying to do something on stage, I'm keeping notes on all, all these thoughts and all these ideas and even stories. Like, I don't think this is a joke, but let me just write it down. And, and then tuck it away and who knows, maybe down the road, yeah. it, can, it can be funny. Yeah. We'll you know, see. for me, what, what I'll notice is that the things that horrify me in my life are the things that end up being really funny. Like when something happens to me and in the moment it's, it's like devastating. I'm like, there's a joke here. Well, yeah, that's what this guy says. The comic toolbox, the book I'm oh, reading yeah? right now that I originally said, don't read. And now I'm starting to change my mind. His opening paragraph is that comedy is um, pain and truth. Okay. That's what he calls okay. it. The, t- the two things, that's what's going to make funny is something very truthful and also something very um, painful. And yeah. that's where funny comes from. And if you think about it, here's where, God, we could really get into a deep discussion right now. 
This is where, so you had, you and Sergio had a discussion on the First Amendment. Yes, we did. Which any comic, I would hope, would understand what a gift the First Amendment is, and then our right to express ourselves and say what's on our mind is, is really critical to free, freedom itself. Right. Um, when I look at comedy, if you really boil it down, comedy is always a critique. Or maybe not a critique, but it's always a, there's something in there that's going to be uncomfortable. I think it's also perspective. It's like, we're really hearing the inside of somebody's mind. And what's funny is about the way that they processed it. Like, this is what's coming up right now. Somebody burglarized my car last night. Oh, I'm sorry. And, And I woke up this morning and I saw it and I was like, you know, fuck my life. But ultimately they actually didn't take anything because guess what? I'm poor and I've got nothing in my car. I would be impressed if they found anything to take. So in the moment it was- You're out a window though. The window's going to cost something, right? Oh, oh, okay. Get this though. They didn't Uh, break my window because I leave my car unlocked. Oh, okay. There you go. That if somebody wants to break in, I always told my friends this and they were like, that's not a good idea. If somebody wants to break in, they can be my guest. Well, so I actually think your logic is sound. Oh yeah? If, if the, well, if the car is completely empty and you're in an area that doesn't have a lot of um, homeless people, I would say that probably is a good strategy. Because right now, the only thing you're at risk at, cause you still, you probably still, do you have an alarm on it or something that would ring if they try to hotwire it? Not only do I have an alarm, I, I, I keep my car in a gated garage. It's still got broken into. Oh, that's weird. That um, is weird. But yeah, homeless people is a thing for sure. So yeah, um, see, that's the problem. Have- someone could sleep in there or someone could take a deuce in there. You're at, oh, you're at totally. risk of that. Totally. You know, what's great too, is that they actually went through all my stuff and decided it wasn't worth taking. Like <laughs> threw that's the, the joke. <laughs> that's the joke. Like my yes. seat- my CDs were everywhere. My clothes were everywhere. My sunscreen, my medication. <laughs> They're just like, wait, Dude, this chick's life is terrible. Wait, hold on. They didn't take your CDs. What kind of CDs are you rocking? Uh, a lot of ones in Hebrew. Cause I shared a car with my dad. Oh, that's why. Um, yeah. You were not broken in. You were not broken into by an Israelite. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't a Zionist. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just man. That they, like, they didn't even like, they literally probably just evaluated my life in that moment and just went, you know what? This girl's got nothing. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's sad, but here we are laughing about it because, because that's exactly it, what comedy is. It was, it's truthful and it was painful. It was, but we can already laugh about it. I mean, it was really a no harm, no foul. Hopefully it didn't break anything that. No, no. Honestly, if they would have broken my window, I would have been devastated when I, yeah opened the door and saw that somebody had robbed me. My first question was what on earth could they have taken? And the answer is nothing, nothing. That's the delivery right there. What on earth could they have taken? Exactly, nothing. it happened like this morning. Like, look, it didn't take that long for us to be laughing about it. Comedy can sprout anywhere. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, no, at first I felt really bad, but now after hearing it, it's really kind of hilarious. It was fine. I just had to put away my sunscreen and my medication and I went driving. We were well, fine. So we also know this person probably wasn't of Irish or Scottish descent because 
like if it was me breaking into your car and it was anything SPF 35 and above, I'd be like, I could use this. There's something here. (laughs) Could you imagine if they did rob me of just my sunscreen? I mean, like I would say, you know, maybe they need it more than me. Exactly. Well, that's what you do on the police report. They say, do you know the color of the skin of the person? Well, I can tell you that they were pale. They were because they just stole my sunblock. And you know what? It's if they didn't have sunblock before, I would guess that they're somewhat pink, officer. Exactly. That's That's it. It's a sunburn. His skin might be peeling. Maybe a redhead. Could have been a redhead. (laughs) Definitely. You want to be on the lookout for freckles, officer. Yes. They took all my sunscreen. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but so then, so where I was going originally with the, um, uh, the, the critique or the, it's, it's, there's always darkness in every joke, right? I mean, right. do you agree with that? I don't know about darkness cause some of them can be kind of like lighthearted jokes, but I think there's truth. There's yeah. some truth into jokes. So even that's why I'm kind of like a significant other where if somebody makes a joke about breaking up, I'm like, that's not funny because mm. there's a little bit of truth in that joke or, or even just like a joke about like, Oh, you know, you go to a gas station with a friend. They're like, I'm going to leave you here. You're like, uh, okay, well you had that thought and that's concerning to me. Like there's yes. jokes can be read into. Well, uh, I forget who, uh, the guy from the doors, um, what's his name? The lead singer. Um, I don't know. It was, uh, anyway, I should know this, but he had a, he had a statement he said one time where, um, when people make jokes, I know they're dead serious. And when people are dead serious, I want to laugh. Okay. Um, and the commentary was basically like, yeah, if someone's making a joke, they're trying to, maybe they really are telling a good joke, right? But maybe they're also passive aggressively telling me something right now. Revealing. Trying to make it funny. And then those people who are so serious, it's hard to take them serious because, you know, you're pretty much a character if you're taking yourself too seriously in this world, in this iteration that we're all living through, right? Like, right, yeah. Don't things are kind of laughable. The human condition is a funny fucking thing. We can't be serious all the time. That's where stand-up comedy com- comes in, you know? Yeah. It's a funny condition. And some people don't have very funny lives. Maybe they don't have, like, personally, I don't have coworkers, so I have nobody to shoot the shit with. Um, That's tough. Yeah, it it is really tough. So I'm trying to incorporate more Zoom into my life if that's what it takes. You know, this is my first time ever appearing using my ring light. Here, I'll show you. Oh, nice. Yeah, because you know what? I do enough of these shows where I'm like, I need proper lighting. I was doing some very interesting things to get light. Like I was taking lamps and like piling them all in front of me. And so... I'm getting into it. I'm cool. Let's let's do more of this online stuff. Yeah, no, those ring lights are just face lighting together. I have a face light too, um, because uh, well, I I kind of inherited them from um, a company, and then you know I did have the podcast going in my garage, which I actually changed my garage around. So I'm excited to have people over. I had I started to reboot in the garage, and I was going to book you for the garage, but then things started. Like up ticking again. And I go, you know what? I, I want to just make sure everyone's safe and I don't want to be the reason people drive out and whatnot. So I started doing it back here, but anyway, yeah, no, um, 
like camera is only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is the lighting. And so like right now, this light, I mean, you know, you were in my garage before. These lights are actually uncomfortably bright, but look, you look really well lit. You look great. Exactly. You can see my face and I have a green screen behind me with, uh, this is just a picture, whatever that I slapped up. But, um, the point being is that it's part of the whole thing. Make sure your face is lit. Are we gonna are we gonna address the picture? Because you're just you're just gonna do an entire episode without telling me what I'm looking at. That is a sculpture my oldest did. Um, it's okay. a unicorn, but their their horn had um, rainbow poop on it. Okay. At least that's what I was told. And so I just wanted to do you know like I have these, I have all of these things that are given to you by Zoom, right? right. But then I have this thing, which is my favorite, but this is a Rick and Morty background. And I don't know, I don't know what the laws are on YouTube. Can I use? Yeah. Probably maybe, not. Maybe yeah, maybe you can't. Yeah. And I'm really into I've been getting into synths in my <laughs> um shelter in place. And then I'm I also play guitar. So I have all and here's my podcast. So I have all these pictures, but this one I think is just silly. So I just I don't know. I just threw sure. something silly up. Sure. With the positioning, it's like you're the unicorn with a rainbow poop. Yeah. With two big eyeballs on my shoulders. So yeah, that was the, um, that was the thought anyway. Okay. Okay. And then this is my microphone right here. Um, but yeah. So anyway, you know what? I don't want to take up too much of your time. We've done, we've done an hour. Do you want to keep going? Should we wrap this up? We can do whatever you want. I'm not, I literally don't know what to do with myself. Like <laughs> I, uh, you know, like yeah. that's, that's just, I come home from work every day and I'm like, do I run again? What, what do I do? I wish I could go to an open mic. Um, okay. I've done a couple of writing groups. I've done a couple of all women writing groups. That's great. How did it work out for you? Those are really fun. It's just okay. like an open mic, but you get an entire 15 minutes and you get feedback throughout. It's kind of fun. That actually might be a better format than an open mic. Uh, it is very helpful. It's it's very like people help you find the funny in things. It's really nice. You know, you're like, I feel like there's something here. Like my boyfriend that I'm currently dating is nine years younger than me. Yeah. There are a lot of jokes to be made, but I yeah. wasn't sure where to go with it. And uh, I had to bounce some ideas off of people. Um, well, 15 minutes of you getting to think about things with other people listening is almost like a podcast with instant feedback. Yes. Yes. And they're very encouraging. I mean, nobody's in the writing group to put you down. Right. So that's that's been really cool. I did. Did I do one? I think I've only done all women's writing groups. I think that's because they reached out to me and I kind of am like you, like I agree to things when people ask me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it would be disrespectful to say no to things in, in the current climate, you know? Like I can understand if we all had busy dance cards, but I don't think that's the case. I think most of us have our evenings and, you know, most of us have maybe a little bit of extra time in the afternoons, but... I, I wish I was busier. So, you know, sometimes I think that to myself. I, I wish I was busier. Like, I wish there was a novel I just couldn't put down. Yeah. Or or maybe content I couldn't wait to create, but no, I'm taking kind of a backseat. I'm waiting for things to kind of, uh, you know, no one was more devastated than me because the last time I went on your show, I let you know that I got books to headline the punchline and shelter in place went into 
uh, went into effect two days before that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't, I knew I was hoping it lined up because I remember that conversation. And I remember I, I was thinking, was it March or April? But I was hoping it lined up in early March, but I guess not. It was. It was March 17th. Oh, two, yeah, that's right. It was 15th that we got shut down. I literally, I had been preparing mentally. Oh, no. Um, and I even was planning on like this big finale because I thought to myself, I want to stand out. And uh, and you had I, 30 minutes, right? Was no, it I, thought, I thought I was going to get a lot of time, but they booked a lot of comedians. So oh. my headlining set was actually only going to be 15, but that's still oh, like. That's good. That's enough time to let people know who you are. However, seven yep. minutes, which is what everybody else got, I think that's that's almost like a five-minute set. Like, you barely have time to spend with the audience. But that's whatever. You take whatever time you can yeah. get. 15 that's minutes at the punchline? Fuck yes. Um, it got rescheduled to July 28th. But mm. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> officially that that is not happening. But wait, that was yesterday. Exactly. Shit. They didn't even tell us. They were just like, they, I mean, they just, you know what I mean? Like they figured yeah. that we got it. I wonder what the punchline is going to do. Like what are comedy clubs going to do? Are they setting up patios? Like what are they doing? I think about that pretty regularly. I mean, I, no one's doing anything right now. I think, so here's what, so, you know, improv, obviously everything's been canceled and indefinitely. We don't know when it's going to open back up. Um, Rooster Tees, same thing. Um, yeah. The San Francisco one shut down. I think in other states, some comedy clubs started doing half capacity, but then the Corona started kicking in again. And I think they, they started, the comedy clubs started shutting down. I, I mean, look, at this point, it's a liability. If you're a business and you're opening up and people leave and two days later, they have the coronavirus. Yep. You know, we live in a very litigious society. You don't want to be that company. I mean, I, I feel bad because I see both sides of the fence and I'm one of these privileged people with a job in this economy. Mm. So I feel bad because I look at bar owners and I look at comedy club owners and I'm like, this is their life. This isn't, it's not that no one is non-essential. Everyone is essential. Meaning if I have rent to pay, I'm an essential worker because I need to make money. Yes. yes so yes. I totally get the argument from people wanting to open up. And I don't judge them for it. And I, I won't be one of these critics who's like, oh, just, you know, you're killing people if you open. I, like, I get it. But then I also understand the other side of the argument where the government is saying. No, <laughs> no, no. Unless you're doing these these critical roles. Then you, you shouldn't be going out and you should be wearing a mask like the mask is the one thing where I can really get behind and say everyone like, guys, it's not that big of a deal. Just put put on a mask. Yeah. I can get behind that. But then when you say, like, here's a good example. My hair has been flopping this whole podcast, right? You'll, you'll appreciate this, Coral. Okay. So right now, I could take, we could take our dogs to a dog groomer. And the dog groomers were considered essential, okay. as were all pet supplies. Everything that has to do with animals, caring for animals, was deemed essential. Yes. And I agree with that. But think about how fucked up this is. I have a barber who I've been, you know, we kind of, we keep in touch. We're on good, we're, you know, kind of friendly with each other. So I, I text him like, hey man, when do you think you're gonna open up this? Oh, we're gonna open this date. Open up, oh no, it's been pushed back. So, okay, well I can't go get my hair cut then. 
like two weeks ago, they said, okay, barbers can open up now. Barbers and salons can open up now. And it was literally like two days. They opened him up. I got on his calendar for a Thursday. They opened up on a Monday. And by Tuesday, the governor said, nope, all these watch lists in Santa Clara County was one of them. If your county's on a watch list, no salons, no barbers. And he got shut down again. And I'm just like, yes, a haircut is a high risk thing, but I'm, I think he, he needs to do his job and I need to give that guy money, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I need to cut this mop. <laughs> so it's like, wife. I mean, like I've been cutting my brother's and my dad's hair. What about like, Oh, they could cut it. They've been telling me, yeah, let me, I could, I could literally just grab the dog clippers and buzz my hair. I've had my hair buzzed so many times in my life. I could do that, but I'm kind of thinking like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather just meet up with this guy and give him a really good tip for, yeah. you know, because yeah. even if it's a small gesture, I think money should be exchanging hands. Um, I'm a big believer in just keep money flowing in every little way that we can, whether it's buying takeout, whether it's, you know, tipping the guy driving at your house, whatever. We got to keep money flowing because this is the un, not unspoken, but this is another risk factor that we're living in where, you know, unemployment checks are going to be running out for people here. I know. I know. And that, I mean, that could be worse civil unrest than like any kind of pandemic or, or whatever. So I don't know. I just, I feel bad all around. So with comedy clubs, I think some of them are going to go out of business. I do. Yeah. I think probably. bars are already going out of business or at least just shutting their door and saying, look, I need to cut my losses. I'm not paying rent anymore. And they're pulling yeah. out of their leases until something is figured out, you know? Yeah. I think that's, that, that is a very reasonable move. Yeah. So I, I don't, I just don't know. I, I think, like I said, I'm, I'm optimistic in that when we can be out there in clubs, in bars, I think people are going to go in droves, but it's just going to look different. You know, maybe, maybe every club has to operate at half capacity for the next three years. I don't know, but it's yeah. still, maybe they just increase the price of drink. Maybe they increase the cost of a ticket, whatever, pass it on to the consumer. Um, but people I think want to go out and I, I don't know how um, businesses are going to stay open. Yeah, me neither. I just, I know. And you're seeing businesses close all around you. Yes. Yeah. It's getting scary. I will tell you, women will go through quite, jump through quite the hoops to get their hair and whatever taken care of. Like, yeah. I know you really want a haircut. And I get that, but I know that women with like a mustache, like myself, like I, I, I sought out, you know, somebody with yeah. a wax kit. I'm like, somebody help me. I'm, yeah, I'm turning into Wolverine and I can't have that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think, so I have friends whose, um, wives and significant others are in the salon industry, yeah. whether it's hairdressing or nails or whatever. And it's all backyard stuff right now. Yes. I, I fully support that. And even um, like, that's what my wife keeps telling me. She says, just go meet your guys somewhere. And I, I probably could, I just don't want to be too presumptuous, but um, yeah, I, I, I assume that's what anyone who cuts hair for a living or does any kind of salon stuff. I assume they're just going either driving to people's backyard or people are driving to their, a park nearby yeah. or something. 
which I think is just, I mean, it's, I think it's reasonable, right? I, I don't I know. I don't think it's that outrageous. It's door-to-door hair care. I mean, yeah. you sit down in a chair outdoors, you both wear masks, they take care of you, and then they drive away. Exactly. It's higher risk, but come on, I, it's fine. So I've been doing what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I go to speakeasies, I'm meeting with people to yes. throw out my eyebrows, I'm just breaking <laughs> all the rules. 2020, what a fucking hilarious year, right? Oh man, it's one of those years where I'm glad nobody told me it was coming because day by day, I'm just handling it. Yep, you just, you don't, you don't want to tense up for this one. Just relax, yeah. let it happen. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Could you imagine if we knew what 2020 was going to be like? People would have, I mean, we would have uh, had the whole hoarding situation you know, earlier on when people were like, oh my God, we're going into an apocalypse. We need to stock up. And it was toilet paper. How funny is that? I know. I know. That is so funny. I loved it. I loved where seeing toilet paper was like finding gold. And then you find out you're only allowed to take home one package because it's one package per customer. You know what I did when they did that Uh, is I went, I took the package to my car and I just came back into the store and then I'd get another package and then I'd come back into the store and get another package not to hoard, but literally to have something to wipe my ass with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's another hack. If you know anyone over the, um, whatever the senior citizen, uh, they, they go in earlier and grocery stores, I guess, allow them uh, um, first grabs at whatever. Okay. Sounds so, fair. Um, my wife's like, we were fine on toilet paper. And I, I guess, I don't know. We were, it didn't affect us. We had enough to get us through to whenever it started showing up on the shelves again. That's but good. The things we didn't have is my wife likes these wipes, these Clorox wipes for the kitchen yeah. um, counter and the table and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those, I mean, I think to this day are still hard to come by. Mm. But somehow her mom, when they do their senior citizen run, they, she's able to buy a couple or three or whatever. So we were able to get that little hot tip. Hot tip. Get yourself a hot seat. tip on the, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not illegal drugs now. It's the Clorox wipes. That's right. So well, yeah. Yep. Well, things aren't really going back to normal quite yet, but we're managing. Yeah, we'll get through it. One Zoom meeting at a time. That's right. One Zoom meeting at a time. Cool. I think, you know what, we'll go ahead and wrap it up right now, Coral. I really, this was really fun. I appreciate you joining. Um, like I said, I, I miss, I miss seeing your stuff. I miss your act. I was happy that a couple of weeks ago, I got to see you at Woodham's funny as ever. So hilarious Coral. Keep up the good work. And, um, well, I don't know. I I'm saying I, the next time we podcast, it'll be, I'm hoping it'll be in person, but I mean, at this point, who knows? We don't know, but I'm excited already to be back. This has been great. This is my third time and I have a wonderful time every time and you're a great host. And on behalf of all of us, all of the people that you've interviewed, which I'm sure is a, is a, is a large number, we thank you for what you do and how pleasant you are. And you are like family to us. Oh, that's great to hear. Then I'm just going to keep it going. I'm going to keep it going. I think this is episode 117. Wow. You know what? I already gave myself a 10-year plan. I talked with you about this, right? I already gave myself a 10-year plan. So I'm going to be doing these podcasts slash interviews for at least a decade. So old man McCarran's not going anywhere. 
That's great. You know I'll, what? That was I'll, a dumb yeah. thing to say. Oh my God, I just jinxed it. Oh, I'll probably be hit by an asteroid now. Well, let's hope it's not this decade. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, Coral. Have a great night. Of and course. Where'd your where'd your little one go? She's been so quiet for the rest of the podcast. She went to bed. It's past her bedtime. She her little belly is hanging out. She's wearing a tiny vest. She's ready to her sleep. Nice. Cool. Well, have a good one, Coral. All right.